It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and a very warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Wednesday, September 21. I'm Amber Sherlock. Thanks for joining me. Our two experts on today's show here for the full hour. Joining me, Andrew Weiland from DP Wealth Advisory and David Lane from Ord Minute. Thank you both so much for joining us today. We have a lot to get through, so let's get stuck straight into it. We'll take a look at our first five viewer stocks for today before we look at the stock of the day. So we're going to discuss first for the first half hour we're going to look at Stockland then Fortescue Metals Group Origin Energy REA Group and Dexas Property uh, but first we're going to have a look at the stock of the day which is Viva Energy now Viva is a leading energy company that supplies about a quarter of Australia's fuel requirements Coles has entered into a binding agreement to sell its fuel and convenience retailing business to Viva now this transaction well, see Viva Energy own and operate the 710 Coles Express sites currently operated by Coles. Coles will receive sale proceeds of $300 million and will assign the leases relating to the Coles Express sites to Viva Energy. Coles expects to record a small gain on the sale of the business. It's expected to be completed in the second half of FY23. Let's take a look at how its shares are performing today. And they're up 5% to $2.77. Uh, let's go first to you, David. Uh, what are your thoughts on Viva Energy? Yeah, it's certainly a, an interesting transaction that uh, it really takes a lot of the risk uh, and puts it on Viva Energy, whereas previously uh, Coles had had the risk of, of those operations. Uh, one of the, the interesting parts about the, the structure uh, that Waypoint, en uh, Waypoint runs the, uh, the land and Viva Energy runs the uh, the energy side of it, and Coles used to run the um, the retail. So it brings it closer together. Uh, it means that, that Viva has greater control over those sites. Um, but the interesting thing is that uh, if there are any issues with those sites, well, the, the risk is now Viva's, whereas previously it was Coles. Um, Shares have reacted fairly well to the to the announcement today. We've got a buy on Viva Energy. We think it's a it's a good business. They've benefited very strongly from the the increase in the fuel price over the last twelve months. So their their last result was double. Uh, so obviously getting very good margins on on fuel now, and um, it's probably timely with the the fuel excise coming off at the the end of uh, September. So we're yeah, we'll still see fairly strong margins as far as energy is concerned, and now they're becoming yeah more of a retailer as well. So, uh, interesting transaction. We think that long term it, it does make sense for the business, and um, yeah, we we think that uh, Viva is a is a buy. Uh, Andrew, David thinks Viva is a buy. Do you agree? Well, I wouldn't be silly enough to disagree with David. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, look, I, I agree. I think uh, I think David sort of covered the high points. Certainly, the risk being transferred away from Coles to to Viva, 
Uh, Coles making a couple of dollars on the transaction as well, so it's a good outcome there. I was just looking at the financials before. Viva now trading on a PE of six and forecast earnings per share growth of around 22% next year. So it certainly satisfies that peg ratio where you're trying to buy a company whose PE is less than its earnings per share growth. So it's certainly doing that well. It's around a five or six percent forecast dividend for next year. David quite rightly points out margins are looking great. And uh, from a retail point of view, you're at the service station, you've got the munchies. What are you going to say no to that uh, alluring Kit Kat that's in front of you as you're paying for your fuel? So, no, it's a buy. And, and pay about $10 for that Kit Kat. I Correct. mean, we all get sucked into it, don't we? <laughs> and I'm like, I won't buy anything. It's very hard not to, so I agree. So we've got a double buy there for Viva Energy today from both David and Andrew. Let's get right into the stocks picked by you. And our first stock uh, is from Michelle. She wants the expert's opinion on Stockland. Now, Stockland is a diversified Australian property development company with shopping centres, housing estates, industrial areas and retirement villages. Uh, Andrew, what's your view on Stockland? Buy, hold or sell? Just all the easy questions first, hey Amber. Um, <laughs> if, we, if we take it back just a step and maybe look at REITs in general, because we've got another REIT that we'll cover a little bit later. Uh, REITs are under immense pressure at the moment, or as uh, I've been old enough to do this, that we used to call them listed property trusts, LPTs. And uh, we're really sort of seeing the, the A REITs under pressure as interest rates are rising and uh, we're seeing quite a big disconnect between consensus target prices and actual share prices. So as an example, consensus on Stockland is $4.11 and yet the current share price is around that $3.40 mark. Um, it is an interesting one, Stockland, because it is a truly diversified business across a whole uh, range of uh, areas it covered, uh, also aged care or retirement villages as well, which you'd have to think is a, is a growing area. Uh, and that yield looks attractive, but you know, one one or two things is going to happen with this sort of the A REITs, either the unlisted property sector, which is barely moved in valuation at the moment, uh, either these A REITs will come back up in value because, in essence, you know, the, the share market is treating them like an ATM and overreacting, or, uh, and I tend to be in more in the all camp, some of these unlisted values are going to have to start coming off because they can't be sustained in a rising interest rate environment. So. Whilst that push-pull's going on between listed and unlisted, I'm inclined just to sit on the sidelines and, and patiently wait. Again, for those of us who have been around long enough, and I vividly remember 2007, 2008, whereby when things got really hairy, the average LPT fell around by about 70%. Now, I'm not suggesting that's gonna happen here, but whilst there's plenty of noise, there's plenty of uncertainty, uh, I'd be happy just to sit on the sidelines. So to Amber, to succinctly answer your question, it's a hold. It's a hold. It's a hold from Andrew. Uh, David, what do you think of Stockland? Well, I, I'm not disagreeing with Andrew either. We, we think it's a hold. Um, very good business, very well diversified. And for a lot of the reasons that, that Andrew pointed out, uh, there, there is a bit of a, a concern about REITs and, and where they might go over uh, the next 12 months or so. The thing with Stockland is that they have a large retail or, or residential uh, land bank their sales so far have actually been quite good with the residential sales, but uh, as we look forward with rising interest rates, there are a few question marks over that. Um, but the good thing about Stockland is that their, their underlying asset value is a lot lower than, than what they're selling their, their property at. So, you know, there's some positives and negatives in terms of their residential bank. They have been diversifying into industrial, which is a positive for them. Um, Aged care is obviously a, a massive growth area. Well, yeah, it is, and it's uh, Stockland's actually just sold their their aged care um, business, and 
that's partly due to the risks involved that uh, yeah, there's certainly a growth market and, and it is a, uh, a big market, but yeah, a lot of the, the issues around um, regulation and, and uh, you know, care. Um, yeah, have, Staff have, ratios. Have, yeah, yeah all of those thing, sorts yeah. of things. So yeah, they've exited that's that part of the business, but um, yeah, it, it's an it's a good business. We've got a hold on it. Um, if you've got it in your portfolio, you get paid 8% at the moment. Um, looking forward, though, we think that the, their earnings will tail off a little bit. So you might not get your 8% next year. We're mm -hmm. forecasting 7.7%. That's still reasonable if, you, if it's in your portfolio but no real reason to be jumping in and buying at this point in time. Okay, it's a hold from both David and Andrew on Stockland. There's a lot of agreements today between <laughs> David and Andrew. So let's move to this next one. I don't actually think there'll be much disagreement or maybe there will be. Our second stock picked by our viewer is from Charlotte. She wants to know about Fortescue Metals. It is, of course, the fourth largest iron ore producer in the world, founded by in uh, Andrew Tiggy Forrest. Now, of course, the interesting news about Fortescue, yesterday Forrest pledged to exit fossil fuels by 2030. That pledge is part of a nine $1.2 billion plan to hit net zero emissions and to eliminate fossil fuel use entirely. Now, according to the company, that will reduce annual operating costs by around 818 million US dollars a year and avoid 3 million tonnes of CO2 equivalent emissions a year. Uh, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Fortescue? Uh, again, a, an interesting business and for the, for the yield hungry, if I can try and pigeonhole um, investors, it's been quite uh, it's been quite good. As have some of the other iron ore stocks. BHP obviously immediately comes to mind as well. Uh, one of the key things, of course, is around that iron ore price, and that iron ore price has been coming off in a real hurry. Uh, peaked there at about $150 a ton, now back at around $100 odd dollars a ton, and remembering that. Uh, the, uh, the type of iron ore that they're sort of dealing with, they're basically producing, for the want of a better term, at around $16 per tonne. So it's a pretty strong EBIT margin that they've got going on there. Gearing is increasing a hint. Gearing's now up to about 26%. And consensus on them is around $16.25. But again, that was probably predicated on a much higher iron ore price as well. I guess I look at that forecast earnings, forecast uh, PE earnings is around seven times earnings, which compared to the market at 16 times looks pretty attractive, but compared to their peers, their peers are only trading at around eight times. And that um, Fortescue uh, future industries, that FFI, and you know, you were just alluding to some of that before, around 10% of their profits are actually gonna go into that, you know, around hydrogen, et cetera. So look, on balance, I'm probably a hold on this one. Um, not that I dislike it, I'm more just again worried about the macro, the, the bigger picture relating to global economic growth and worried about central banks bashing the economy and uh, potentially putting us into recession and therefore demand for iron ore coming off. So on balance, it's a hold. What do you make of yesterday's announcement? I think it's a real positive on a couple of fronts. Obviously, it sort of ticks that, dare I say, that ESG box. I'm sure companies aren't just doing things to tick a box, but it certainly is a positive from an environmental sense. It makes a lot of sense from a cost point of view as well. So uh, from, from those two perspectives, I like it. But again, like a lot of companies, they're all trying to do it at once. And uh, what's the cost involved in actually doing that, being able to source materials, etc. This whole decarbonisation or greenification thematic is a very strong one. But at what inflationary cost, Amber? Uh, Andrew says it's a whole. David, what are your thoughts on Fortescue Metals? Yeah, also agree. We've got a, a hold on, on Fortescue at the moment as well. Um, and yeah, the, the announcement 
and previous announcements that that Fortescue have made over the last six months or so are, are very interesting and you know they're really looking to be leaders in that decarbonisation and improving the the way that we actually get resources out of the ground because reality is no matter what happens with EV and, and everything else we're still going to need a lot of resources uh, so being a leader in in the, the right way to get it out and to uh, yeah decarbonise is a smart thing. Um, from a shareholder's point of view though, or from an investor's point of view, it's a big cost and it's unproven at this point in time. So it will play out over the next five years, decade uh, or more. But at this point in time with the current share price, we've got a hold recommendation on it. Um, I do like Fortescue and got it in many client portfolios. And to be honest, tend to find that, that under around $18, we think it's it's reasonable value. So um, you know, although the official recommendation is a hold for some clients, if they don't have uh, a large holding of Fortescue at the moment in their portfolio, current levels look reasonable. Uh, and as Andrew alluded to, the the yield is, is certainly very attractive from that point of view. Okay, two holds from David and Andrew on Fortescue Metals. Let's move on to stock number three, which is from Frank, and he wants to know about Origin Energy, the electricity generator and the electricity and natural gas retailer. Now, it operates Australia's largest coal-fired power station at Lake Macquarie in New South Wales. It has recently backed out of plans to frack for gas in the Northern Territory's Beedaloo Basin. Some are saying it's an indicator the value of fossil fuels could start falling away. Uh, David, what are your thoughts on Origin Energy? Yeah, again, we've got a hold on it. Uh, it it uh, is a company that didn't report particularly well in the reporting season, and we saw their share price came off uh, quite a bit. Um, yeah, probably a little bit disappointing, I suppose, in that in the current environment, you would think that Origin would be doing exceptionally well. Uh, it probably hasn't done as well as a number of the peers, so we tend to like uh, Santos and Woodside in the in the energy space as a preference over the two. Uh, or over origin and um, long term it's got some good assets but as all of the energy companies are, are finding they need to start to change as far as the, the future is concerned and, and how they'll replace that coal-fired uh, energy and it, it seems at this point in time that Santos is probably ahead of the curve in that, uh, you know, in that scenario than, than, Santos, uh, than origin is. Uh, Andrew what are your thoughts? Uh, I think we're coming to our first disagreement. Um, <laughs> it was going to happen, often. right? <laughs> not as exciting as the ones that Mr Jennings and I have, but uh, nevertheless, uh, look, I don't, I'm not a big Origin fan. Uh, and I, again, it's not necessarily a reflection on the business. It's more the macro or the policy piece. Uh, I mean, we've seen a couple of prime ministers lose their jobs on the basis of an incoherent uh, energy policy. And just looking at the most recent results from Origin, they talk about risk of a disorderly coal generation exit uh, and what role gas will play in that. So whilst the, the pollies are still trying to figure out which way they can jump and where the votes are at, and not trying to turn this into a political exercise, whilst there's... Um, uh, uncertainty, I'm happy to sort of just stand back. Um, I note the PE is 15 times relative to the market, which is 16 times with their peers. Some of David just mentioned they're trading as low as six times. 
So, and the performance has been pretty underwhelming over the last five years. Over the last five years, Origin is down 2% per annum. If you'd simply put that into a all broader share market ETF, I had to get ETF in there today, Amber, unless you're aware, ETFs is my go. Um, you would have been up 7 Well, it's taken you 17 moment. minutes, so you've done well. I've, I've been fighting it. I've really been fighting it. <laughs> You're basically down 2% per annum in origin. You would have been up 7% per annum holding a broad-based ASX ETF. Lots of reasons not to be there. I'm going to say sell. Let's, let's do it. Let's say sell. Um, talk to me. What would it make, uh, what origin need to do to change your mind? Oh, a share price of $4 would be helpful. Not that I'm wishing that on origin share, <laughs> uh, shareholders, but certainly a much lower share price would be helpful because they're going to pay you 15. I mean, you can go out and buy their peers, and David just mentioned a couple. I mean, I would like I like Beach as well. Why wouldn't you buy those? But again, that defrays from my argument, which is the broader issue around that whole energy piece. So certainly the number one green light is the government getting its act together relating to an energy policy, which I wouldn't be holding my breath on. And then a strong secondary is the price to sort of maybe reflect the uncertainty. I've been hosting the call for a week and Beach seems to be getting a lot of uh, lot of talk. Everyone's mentioned it, in fact. Yeah, talk it me, popular, talk yeah. me through that, Andrew. Why, oh, I, why I, is it again, so popular? More... Everyone's telling me about Beach. Well, it goes without saying, Amber. No, I think from my point of view, it's more so just around, I like the smaller energy producers as opposed to the big energy producers. Um, the results last time from memory were a little bit disappointing, but to me that's actually not a bad attractive entry price. So pr probably from that point of view, small company and disappointing result, but lots of potential is sort of where they like the beach story. But okay. again, I threw you in the deep end there, but I just I just have heard it every day. So <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Um, now we're talking about REA Group from Roger. It uh, is made up of a global digital real estate advertising company. It's headquartered in Melbourne. It has offices in Hong Kong and India. Uh, David, what do you think of this one? Yeah, REA Group's a, a very good business. Um, it's a global leader, really. It was one of the, the first uh, to make that digital transformation. And uh, in Australia, it's, it's done very well. Obviously, its main competitor is Domain. Um, but we think that, that REA Group is a very good business. We think that it does have a lot of growth potential in those other markets. So in, in India, uh, it is a, uh, a massive growth market for it. 120 bucks a share. It's pretty expensive. It is expensive and it is one that is difficult to recommend based on fundamental valuations because its PE ratio was 37 times and a dividend yield of 1.4%. So yes, you are looking for that long-term growth uh, and it is priced for, priced for perfection, I suppose. Um, the thing about obviously the real estate market is that we've seen a, uh, a decline in prices in Sydney and Melbourne and starting to, to feed through into Brisbane and interest rates are, are having an impact there. Um, for REA Group though, that might actually end up being a, a bit of a positive because what it means is that places stay on the, the market for a little bit longer. So you're having to pay more, more, advertising. more advertising for that. Um, whereas six or 12 months ago, place had been gone in <laughs> two days. <laughs> uh, and REA Group has been developing Premium Plus and, and other types of packages, which um, my mother's been selling her place and we've been talking to real estate agents and they're all recommending those. So it's a bit of an upsell on your, your advertising package. So uh, yeah, we like REA Group. We've got an accumulator on it at the moment. Um, so then that's based on, on the fact that they are fairly fully priced. But we do think that 
for long-term growth, it's a uh, it is a good business. So buy, hold, or sell. Well, accumulate a little <laughs> bit in between. You, I didn't give me that option. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's accumulate. a it's a buy at the right price. <laughs> a buy at the right price. All right, I've got it. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, it's a buy. I'll make it. I'll make it really easy for you, Amber. It's a buy. Uh, consensus is one hundred and forty dollars. It's trading at one hundred and twenty. You know, out of everything that David just spoke about, the most interesting, and not that any of it was disinteresting, but probably the most interesting relates to that property park, property market weakening. And uh, if you want to stay at the top of that list, you're going to have to pay more money to REA. So uh, from that point of view, it's a positive. Probably the only amber light for me, I'm a sort of a traffic light type of guy, red, green, amber. Uh, the amber light for me is around uh, Tracy Fellows uh, retiring, resigning, depending yes. on which language you want to use. Um, that's certainly whenever someone who's prominent in the business and has done such a great job is leaving, and again, not suggesting anything nefarious is going on, but when there's a change in management, there's a change in style, potential change in culture, and that could sort of distract management. So a bit of an amber light there, but on balance, it's a buy. It's a buy. All right, let's move on to stock five, which is from Nick. He wants to know about Dexas Property. Uh, Dexas is an Australian real estate investment trust managing an Australian property portfolio valued at $44 billion. It also directly owns more than $18 billion worth of office, industrial and healthcare properties. Uh, David, is it a buy, hold or sell on this one? We've got a buy on Dexas and we've only recently changed it to a buy. Uh, and that's really due to the fact that their share price has fallen so much. Uh, as Andrew spoke about earlier, when we were talking about Stockland, we've seen a repricing of a lot of the, the Australian real estate investment trusts and Dexas is one of those. Uh, it has been smart though in its management of its portfolio. They do own a lot of office properties, but they've been recycling those. They've been selling a lot of the, the fully developed properties and are now looking at investing in uh, some newer buildings. Um, certainly in, in Brisbane, they're, they're proposing a massive big uh, office development uh, on the river there. Uh, so it, it is a, an interesting business. They've been very well managed over the, the long term. Uh, and based on the fact that their share prices come off so much. Mm. Uh, and I'm assuming that's because of property and COVID, people aren't in offices, that's obviously having a big impact. Yeah, well, that's the perception, yes. Mm -hmm. um, but Dexas's uh, occupancy is still, I think, around 94, 95%. Okay. So yeah. it's actually yeah, still reasonably high. Um, we haven't really seen much of a drop off in tenancies. Uh, and that's largely because they're long term. Contracts, yeah. uh, but also employers are wanting people to at least engage and come back to the office in, in some way. Um, so even if people are working from home two or three days a week, they want them back in the office and, and reshaping um, communal spaces and uh, places to, you know, to, to come back in and um, work together. So uh, yeah, I think there's, there has been a, a bit of a um, concern by the market about office property, but looking at what Dexas is doing, you know, we think it, it you know, is managing that cycle reasonably well. Okay, uh, David says it's a buy for Dexas property. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, unfortunately, I remain a hold for the thematic uh, REIT issues or a REIT issues I mentioned earlier. To, to David's point, though, the occupancy is pretty strong in industrial. It's around 98%. And as he quite rightly said, in, in that commercial space, it's around 95%. Their whale, their weighted average lease expire is around 4.7 years. And that funds business that they're continuing to grow, having recently bought the uh, real estate 
and um, part of the infrastructure arm of AMP Capital will help provide sort of that annuity style income. So lots to like about it, and in particular about price being under pressure. But as we spoke about before, push pull listed versus unlisted. So I'm going to stay on the sidelines in this one. It is a hold. Okay, it's a hold from Andrew. All right, well, let's summarise the first five stocks and the stock of the day today. Uh, obviously, our stock of the day was Viva Energy. And if I just look back to what we thought of Viva Energy, David says it's a buy. Shares have reacted well to the news, benefited from the rise in the fuel price. Andrew also says it's a buy, so agree it's there. Margins are looking good and from a retail point of view. If we move on to Stockland, which was our first viewer stock, David says a hold, a good business, very diversified, a concern about where REITs will go. Andrew also says it's a hold, under pressure as interest rates are rising. It's interesting because it's diversified. Aged care is a growing area. Uh, moving on to Fortescue Metals, David says it's a hold with the current share price. Uh, he does like it. Under $18, it's reasonable value it has um, some good things to like Andrew also says it's a hold iron ore prices are coming off I'm a bit worried about a recession origin energy David says it's a hold it didn't report particularly well like Santos and Woodside as a preference long term it has some good assets but it needs to start to change Andrew says it's a sell so not an origin fan uh, performance has been pretty underwhelming the government um, needs to fix some of their policies so a hold from David and a sell from Andrew moving on to REA group and David says accumulate a buy at the right price I had to push him to say that very good business a lot of growth difficult to recommend on fundamental valuations on the real estate front uh, prices of course are falling but that could be a positive thing and Andrew says a buy uh, for that reason the property market is weakening so you're going to need to do a bit more advertising uh, to get your property um, off the market moving on to Dex's property David says a buy it has been smart in the management of its portfolios while Andrew says it's a hold uh, growing their funds business there is lots to like okay so that was our top five plus our stock of the day and the call is tracking our very own high conviction fund which is picked by our investment committee the latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at osbiz.com let's check in with that portfolio update and as I've mentioned heading into September the committee removed Universal Store Next DC the Lottery Corp ResMed and Oz Minerals and it added Karoon Energy Boss Resources Washington H Soul Pats Premier Investments and South 32 all right, let's take a look at how the portfolio is performing. And so far, the fund is up north of 2.5% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March the 1st. So please keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, let's take a quick look at what we're going to chat about for the next half hour. We have our second set of five stocks. We're going to talk about Insurance Australia Group, uh, then followed by CSL. Uh, Judo Capital, that should read, uh, Super Retail Group and Bluebet. So let's get straight into it. Uh, stock six is from Rob and it's Insurance Australia Group or IAG, which is the multinational insurance company, the largest general insurance company in Australia. Uh, David, what do you think of IAG? We've got a buy on IAG. We think it's a, a good business. Uh, it's a sector that um, over the last few years with all of the, the natural disasters that have occurred, um, 
it's highlighted the need for insurance. So we are actually finding that volumes are increasing, that people are going out and, and getting insurance uh, for their home. Also for cars, uh, we've seen a, a massive increase in um, car ownership over the, the last couple of years and, and the, the car retailers will tell you that as well. Uh, so yeah, the volumes are very good. And the other thing about insurance is that it is inflation proof. So they are actually able to, to feed through their um, the increasing costs to consumers. Uh, more than inflation proof, we've actually found that IAG's uh, premiums have actually gone up by 7% over the last 12 months. So uh, a lot higher than inflation and the insurance, are, insurance companies are able to do that fairly well. The other thing in the current cycle that works for insurance companies is they hold a lot of capital in reserve um, and that gets invested in largely fixed interest securities. So as interest rates are rising, that actually is a benefit to the insurance companies. So we think that IAG uh, ticks a number of boxes in terms of the, the margins, the, the premiums going up, the volumes increasing, and also getting better returns from the investment you, markets. You talk about the premiums going up. Uh, mm. With the rise uh, cost of living pressures, is this something Australians going to be looking at and thinking maybe we don't need that insurance or we can't afford that insurance? Is that something you've given thought to? Oh, it certainly is a question that, that some people will have, um, but then they turn on the news and see the floods in Lismore or, or you know, Today they're, they're talking about another potential weather event occurring over the next week or so. Um, I think it's highlighted to people that you, you really do need insurance. So we've actually seen over the last five years a big increase in insurance across Australia um, because a decade ago a lot of people were taking the risk of, of mm. not having it. Now they are actually uh, requiring it a lot more. And given we have seen so many natural disasters and disasters in Australia, yep. that must be um, affecting them in terms of people claiming on their policies. Yes, definitely it has. Uh, and what the the insurance companies do is they reinsure. So both IAG and Suncorp being the, the two largest in the country uh, have actually been very good at managing that, um, that reinsurance. So the events earlier in the year uh, cost IAG about a billion dollars, um, but the because of the reinsurance, it only costs them something around the order of two or three hundred million dollars. So, uh, and they are able to cap those exposures. So they're they're pretty smart in the way that they manage those um, because effectively they are a business in risk. So they're offloading those risks um, not only within Australia but all around the world. So, uh, yeah, again. IAG has been quite smart at, at managing those risks. Uh, David says it's a buy for IAG. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Amber, Amber, Amber. Um, <laughs> if, it's, if it waddles like a duck and it quacks like a duck, generally it's a duck. Um, I, uh, I, I think out of everything we're going to talk about today, this is probably one of the strongest sells I've got. Um, and I, I might add, I might, I'm not disagreeing with the investment thesis broadly that David is putting forth, but if I can put a counter to it, um, you, as you just spoke about before, the, uh, the weather events have been pretty ordinary. And uh, I note the Bureau of Meteorology is saying that La Nina 3.0 is on its way to us. I have to get some rain here in Toowoomba. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that to me is a, is a huge area of concern because you can reinsure your little heart out, but um, first of all, you've got to find you know one of the super cat insurers to take your business, 
um, but secondly, they're going to want their, uh, their, their price for that as well. So the cost of insurance to the average mum and dad is going up, but you can quite rightly assume that that's also being fed back through to the insurers themselves. You've then got issues more broadly around climate change, now whether we're causing it, whether it's a natural phenomena, who knows, I'm not playing that game today, but simply pointing out that I don't, I'm not confident that all insurance companies are actually pricing that risk accordingly, or if they're trying to price it, that will consumers, to your point, Amber, will consumers pay more than 7% per annum for that risk? So there's that piece as well. David spoke about before about poor investment returns in markets, and certainly some insurers are far more conservative than others, and IOG, I know, is a conservative insurer, whereas some others are perhaps a little bit more on the, the excitable end relating to investment returns. So I guess what I'm saying is investment returns, uh, even if they're in a lot of fixed interest, probably isn't going to be great. There's a lot of pressure on insurance margins. There's a lot of macro factors in play relating to weather that we've got no control over that we know is coming at us. Um, I can think of lots of reasons not to be there. It is a sell. And is this your view generally in the, the insurance arm of shares? Yeah, it's not just IAG, it's just the industry in general. Thank, thank, thank you, Amber, for bringing me back on track because what I was going to suggest is I can't just sort of, uh, you know, pull the... Uh, the plug on all insurers, I'd say, why wouldn't you look at a broker? Why wouldn't you look at Steadfast? Or why wouldn't you look at AUB, where you can still play the insurance thematic if you think insurance is the place to be for all the reasons David just put out, but not take the financial risk that goes with it with a Suncorp or an IAG or a QBE. So you're not getting that rain into Woomba? Or are you? <laughs> we're certainly Sorry. about to get, we're certainly that, about that. getting the rain in Sydney. What's to Woomba like? Well, it was just raining a touch before, but the next day or so, we're uh, gonna, it's going to be the uh, raincoat and umbrella to work, I think. Yes, same here. And as you mentioned, yes, the Bureau has uh, announced another La Nina for the first time ever, our third straight La Nina. So that is certainly going to impact the insurance industry, and especially, uh, particularly in New South Wales, all those uh, flood zones like Lismore and everywhere that's already seen flood, they're already uh, suffering immensely. And they're going to, even the smallest amount of rain is really going to impact those areas. So uh, making some of them uninsurable, but that's a different topic altogether. Let's move on to stock seven from Peter and it's CSL. The company is an Australian multinational specialty biotech company. It researches, develops, manufactures and markets products to treat and prevent medical conditions. Uh, Andrew, the share price has been pretty sluggish all year. Is that because it's fully valued? Or Amber, again, on the glass half full type of guy. Uh, I'd say to you that it's actually held up pretty well um, compared to the market, which is under a fair bit of pressure at the moment. Um, so I was a bit of a negative Nancy relating to IAG. I am um, all in on CSL. CSL is a buy. Uh, and there's lots of reasons to like CSL, um, but at a high level, it is defensive relating to its healthcare exposure. Uh, that plasma business, which has been under a bit of pressure relating to collections, that seems to be turning around. I note Friday, the Wall Street Journal was talking about uh, potentially a bit of an end to that issue they have with uh, Mexico and people coming into the US for plasma collections. Uh, their vaccine business, 135 million doses delivered. Uh, that's going really well at the moment. Um, it's trading well below consensus. Consensus is about $324. It's about $280 odd at the moment. Strong return on equity, great margin, lots to like getting into it. It's a buy. It's a buy. Uh, David, what are your thoughts on CSL? 
We like it as well, not as not as much as Andrew does, and that's really more on the the, the price at the moment. That uh, you know, we've got an accumulate recommendation, which is one of the ones that you don't like, but effectively uh, that's a, a buy, um, potentially at a, at a slightly better price. Um, it is a global business, as you said, and will have the the potential to be impacted by global markets. Uh, and the U.S. market we do see as being fairly um, fairly expensive, so if we, we see the, the US market coming off a little bit, we might see CSL's share price a little bit cheaper. Um, but having said that, the business is, is great. It is a business in transformation, and that's probably part of the reason why we've seen that sluggish share price over the last 12 months, because they made that massive acquisition in, in Switzerland, which is changing the, the, the makeup of the business. Um, the interesting thing that's happened overnight in the US with CSL is that the uh, courts have actually overturned a, a ban on Mexican um, Mexican people uh, providing blood plasma uh, and that's actually hurt the, the supply of the market. Mm -hmm. CSL is one of the biggest blood plasma providers and um, the, the Mexican people account for about 7% of that blood plasma supply in the US so this ruling overnight means that they are now actually able to, to get more supply into the market. Um, so that will actually help CSL and their competitors because one of the issues is that the lack of supply has meant that they've actually been having to pay people a lot more to get their blood plasma. Um, so both from a supply and from a cost point of view, that's a, a mild positive for, for CSL. So we could well see some, some positive um, reaction to that over the, the coming weeks. But um, yeah, long term, we like it. Most portfolios that, that I manage have CSL in it already. Um, probably just look for a little bit of weakness to, to buy it. Uh, Andrew, you're all in. It's a buy, buy, buy. Is this pharmaceutical companies in general or you're just really loving CSL? Oh, I like the healthcare space from a defensive point of view. Um, so certainly I'd be um, sort of happy to look at healthcare companies in general. But you know, previously on the call, we've spoken about ResMed. I've got sort of got my, my reservations there relating to supply chain issues. I don't mind cochlear. But uh, if you're trying to pin me down to a particular direct share, it is CSL. Excellent. All right, let's move on to stock eight. And Simon wants to know about Judo Capital. Judo is an Australian bank focused on small and medium-sized business lending. It also offers personal term depo deposit products. Uh, David, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, we've, we've got a buy on it. It's uh, an interesting business. Um, obviously, in Australia, the banking market is dominated by the, the four majors or, or really five majors now with Macquarie in there as well. Um, Judo is a, a uh, competitor to, to them uh, and from that point of view it's, it's speculative. We've seen the share price um, you know, go down ever since they've, they've listed uh, which is an opportunity for a long-term investor um, but obviously has higher risks. Um, certainly you wouldn't equate an investment in Judo to an investment in CBA uh, even though they're in the same sector. But we do like Judo. They've actually been probably you know, the, the best of the, the uh, disruptor banks. Uh, they've actually got a bit of a market share and uh, well managed. So yeah, one of those stocks that you could buy, um, know that it's high risk, but put it in your, in your bottom drawer and look at it in five years time. Uh, Andrew, do you agree with David? No, well, David, it started so well. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it did, didn't it? <laughs> 
started to go off the rails as we've kept on going on. I can't wait for number 10. Um, no, look, I, uh, I think that scares me the most about judo. And again, being the sicko that I am, I sort of read all these ASX announcements. Judo is a bank built by business bankers. If that doesn't strike fear in your heart, I don't know what <laughs> should. So I, uh, I, I think it's... Well, from a stop-loss point of view, you probably should have sold it about 40% ago because, as we just saw in that chart before, that's a very scary-looking chart. I, I guess, you know, all joking aside, the, the principle is, is sound relating to sort of relationship banking because that's really what banking should be about. Sadly, it's not, but, you know, it's about the relationship banking. But how is it scalable? You know, how are you going to go out and find all these business bankers? How are you going to compete against the NABs? Um, etc. So on that basis, I think it's a hold. I don't think it's a sell, but certainly it's it's not an investment that I would be making for my clients. But not a sell. Just hold on to them no. and put them in your bottom jaw for five years, as David suggested, and see where they go. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. The benefit of the people on the podcast. I'm <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our next stock. It's Super Retail Group, and this one's from Mike. He wants the expert's opinion on it. It owns and operates a portfolio of retail brands across Australia and New Zealand. Some of its brands include Super Cheap, Auto, MacPack, BCF, and Rebel Sport. Uh, Andrew, some pretty well-known uh, brands there. Buy, hold, or sell on this one. Uh, like I think it's a buy, and it's a bold buy, Amber, because retail isn't exactly flavour of the month at the moment. I think out of the 17 listed um, retailers at the moment, there's only one in the green for the year. I should have checked whether it's Super Retail Group. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be. Um, the reason that I like it, there's a few reasons. Um, I note that, as an example, 90% of the items that they sell sells for $100 or less. So if we're talking about an environment where consumers are under pressure, that certainly is something that's pretty helpful. They're spending a fair bit of money on that loyalty card program that they're rolling out and some AI, sort of Amazon-esque type of um, sort of recommendations because online sales now account for around 44% of all transactions going through that business. Um, again, another one of my little quirks, if you haven't already figured this out, Amber, um, <laughs> looking at who uh, is actually buying it, so internal buying. And I note that both the chair and the CEO have been accumulating stock over the last 12 months. I take great comfort when uh, people who are running the business are also part owners with you as well. So I think that's a positive. The PE of 12 relative to forecast earnings per share growth of 25% is a goodie. Um, and probably the only thing that's sort of concerning me is around sort of those supply chain issues and being able to source stock. But on balance, it's buy. Uh, so Andrew says it's a buy for Super Retail Group. David, do you agree? Not quite. We, we did. We had a buy recommendation on it and we've actually downgraded it to a hold um, based on the, the last result uh, and also based on um, the, their inventory issues and the concerns that we have that they, uh, over the last six months or so have actually built up their inventories fairly well and it's not just super retail we've actually seen that across a number of retailers that 12 months ago we had the supply chain issues we couldn't get enough stock in the country retailers then said well sales are really strong let's actually order more so that we can have that um, what's actually now happened is the the shipping lanes have opened up mm -hmm. they've got the stock uh, and in the, the reporting season, we saw 20 out of the, the 23 retailers increasing their inventory at, at higher levels. So the concern is that if sales 
don't continue in their traje trajectory that they've had, um, they might end up with more stock on their hands. So we're actually predicting that uh, we will see um, higher um, sales in terms of um, specials during um, the, the Black Friday sales and, and also in, in Christmas this year. So it's an interesting environment. When we're talking about inflation, we may well actually head into a period where we're actually seeing decrease in prices or, or you know, specials because retailers such as Super Retail have higher inventory. So that's the main reason that we're, we've downgraded them to a hold. Um, concerned about the, the outlook as far as um, retail sales and their inventory going forward. Is this specific to Super Retail Group or is this your feeling just on retail stocks as a... As a uh, it, across the across the board, mm -hmm. it's you know, generally the case. Um, so we do have some buys on on retailers such as uh, Harvey Norman at the the big end, and that's mainly due to the fact that they, their share price has fallen quite a bit, uh, and probably more than it should have. Uh, and then we also have buys on some of the the more specialised niche type players like mm. Shaver Shop, City Chic. Um, those businesses we've seen the share price decline fairly dramatically, and they're attractive from a, a valuation point of view um, but yeah super retail again we've got a hold recommendation on it and yeah it's not not isolated to them it's it's an industry-wide issue that we're we've been looking at that the, the inventories are actually getting uh, much higher than they than they were uh, earlier in the year. Andrew you've got a buy on super retail group is that just a, a sort of a, a standout in the retail sector what are your thoughts generally um, at the retail sector as a whole? I was about to say the reason I asked out as a buy because it was one of the 10 that was presented to me yesterday. Um, <laughs> relating to the, um, the, the retail space, uh, look, JB Hi-Fi is probably one that I, I don't mind. I was just having a quick look uh, at that one as, uh, as David was giving his, um, his views on Super Retail Group. Um, it's a bit of a polarising stock, JB Hi-Fi, because the market sort of is a bit concerned around their tech exposure and in particular sort of those younger buyers but uh, equally so, they quite rightly point out that today, if you don't have your phone or you don't have your, your laptop or whatever the case may be, you really are stranded. You really are a bit of an island. So in other words, these tech purchases have gone from discretionary almost to sort of now a staple or required. So uh, I, uh, I was just looking prices around $39. Consensus is about 42 43 So I certainly don't mind it. JP Hi-Fi. Okay. Well, let's move on to our last stock of the day. It's from Rob. He wants the expert's opinion on Bluebet, which is an Australian racing and sports betting company. We'll go back to you, Andrew. What do you think of this one? Um, not a fan. Not a fan. Um, and there was no pun intended for the <laughs> sports background. Um, I, uh, I think there's a few reasons that I'm, I'm a bit of an amber light, if not a red light on this one. Um, in particular, uh, from a broader point of view, that whole ESG focus. Um, I think that's certainly becoming more and more of a thing on investors' minds and certainly gaming would fail. And I'm not just saying it's Bluebet, there'd be a number of others that you could put into that category as well, of course. But certainly that's uh, that's one of the areas. The cost of acquisition for clients is pretty high, about $386 per customer. Um, probably the, the thing that's scaring me the most, Amber, is that they're about to enter the US market. And we've seen many, 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 many Australian companies they think they know everything relating to Australia and they are doing incredibly well in Australia. They try and export that knowledge to the US and they come home with their tail between their legs. I'm certainly not wishing that on Bluebet. Um, I hope they succeed. 
Um, but certainly the track record for Australian companies going offshore and showing others how to do it is not great. And therefore, will the Australian business be subsidising a loss-making operation in the US? So it's at best a hold. At best a hold, but not a sell, just a hold. You told me it was a red light. Well, I said it's, 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 you know, it's an amber, you know, okay. you're going through that traffic light, do I gun it? No, there's a red light camera there, I'll pause. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, what's your view? Uh, we actually like it, we've got a buy recommendation on it. Um, and for many of the, I suppose, many of the reasons that, that Andrew spoke about uh, the expansion into the US, we see as, a, as an opportunity. Um, and Blue Bet uh, is already in, in four states in the US. They're uh, pitching to, to go into some others. Their model is to actually partner with, with large businesses over in the US and over there they've got, uh, their product is called ClutchBet. Um, so it's a, a, a mobile first technology. And yes, I agree with Andrew that, that many companies uh, have gone into the US and, and haven't necessarily done it very well. Um, the thing about gambling and the thing about online gambling is Australia is actually one of the, the world leaders, um, if that's a good claim to fame. Uh, but it, it is one of those areas that we've done very, very well in and, and Bluebet um, you know, is partnering well over there. We think that the, uh, the, the online gambling business and sports sports betting in the US is actually a fairly new industry. So they've, a lot of the Which states have only just opened it. Very surprising. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really only been um, Las, or Las Vegas or N Nevada uh, where you've been able to, to do it um, on, on site in the casinos. So yeah. it's a whole new market uh, in the US, which does mean it's competitive. There's a lot of players that are, are trying to crack in into that market. But we think that Bluebet uh, and a couple of the other Australian players like PointsBet, for example, um, are able to do that. Um, the size of America means that even if they get a, a very small yeah. market share, they can do very well you, out of it. You might not know this. Is it is it state legislated over there? Yes. Okay, so yeah, it's it state is. by state. Yeah. So they're progressively each of the states are opening up the opportunity to have sports betting, uh, and yeah, they they need to tender to to the different states. Um, so it is a long process, um, but Bluebet seems to be doing relatively well in that uh, in that field. Um, it is very speculative. Mm -hmm. you, you know, our target price on the stock is 80 cents. So if we're right, um, that's a 56% gain in the price. But it is very speculative. So you know, an investment in Bluebet is is a gambling investment. Okay, <laughs> okay. it's noted. Okay, well, let's uh, summarise the second half of the show, um, our last five stocks, and then we'll have a bit of time to chat afterwards. Uh, firstly, let's look at Insurance Australia Group. Uh, David says it's a buy. Volumes are very good, more than inflation-proof. Uh, premiums have gone up 7%. Andrew says it's a strong sell, so the disagreeing there. The weather events uh, are a huge concern. The cost of insurance is increasing. Of course, there's the whole climate change issue as well. So a buy from David, but a sell from Andrew. If we move on to CSL, David says it's a buy. Uh, it's a global business. It's looking good. Andrew, all in. It's a buy. Very enthusiastic. It's holding up pretty well. There's lots of reasons to like it. So a buy from both David and Andrew. If we move on to Judo Capital, a buy from David, an opportunity for a long-term investor, but it is a bit high risk. 
risk. Andrew says it's a hold, uh, scary looking chart. The principle is sound, but how are you going to compete against some of the other bigger players? Uh, Super Retail Group, David says it's a hold. There's inventory issues. There's concern if sales don't continue upwards, they might have too much stock. Andrew says it's a buy, a bold buy, a few reasons to like it. Um, for example, 90% of the items they sell, sell for $100 or less. Uh, spending money on a loyalty program, there's lots of internal buying, which is also a good sign. And then Bluebet, David says it's a buy. It's already in four states in the US, pitching to go to others. Uh, it is speculative. Andrew says it's a hold, uh, not a fan, an amber light, if not a red light. They're about to enter the US market. So for the same reasons, but different, the track record of Aussie businesses, he says, is, is not great. Um, so we do have a bit of time up our sleeves. So Andrew, I'm gonna go to you first. Out of all the stocks uh, we've chatted about today, uh, which one excites you most? Excites me most. Yes. Okay. Um, I was about to say which one is the biggest buy. Well, obviously, CSL. Well, there you on, go. On um, no excitement. I actually like most. REA. Like, if we're using REA as our excitement measure, um, it, it's, it's again, it's a growth business. I think there's plenty of opportunity there. Again, Tracy Fellows, we'll park that for a moment. But it's an incredibly well-run business. Um, having News Corp as your major shareholder would also keep management's mind well and truly focused. So uh, look, out of, out of all of them, I think REA is probably the one that I, I like the most on that list. Um, yeah, no, go and, REA. And which one would you just stay away from? Oh, Amber, how much time have we got? Um, <laughs> Certainly, uh, hearing you just talk about uh, Bluebet, and I was just looking at uh, Powerbet, and I know you haven't got a chance to bring that chart up, but if you want to look at an eye-watering chart and not in a good way, Powerbet, uh, you know, losing $197 million on $98 million on, in, in the US, not exactly uh, great. So, yeah, probably uh, Bluebet uh, would be my uh, avoid. Okay, David, uh, let's go for the stock that excites you the most. Yeah, the one that excites me the most would probably be Fortescue uh, and the fact that they are dramatically changing their outlook as far as um, yeah, the greenification and, and decarbonisation. I think that Fortescue and An Andrew Forrester, you know, they're have been long-term thinkers. Uh, when they first got into iron ore mining, I can remember that everyone thought that they were crazy mm -hmm. and that, that he wasn't going to succeed. When they first talked about putting a train in uh, to get their iron ore to the port, everyone said he was crazy and wasn't going to succeed. Similarly now, I think that you know he is a visionary and that's what excites me. And I think that over the next five years or so, we will actually see uh, the likes of Fortescue transforming the, the industry. And if you're going to pick a stock to stay away from? Yeah, well... You don't have to. From a personal point of view, <laughs> I would actually stay away from Bluebet as well. Okay. Um, so, yes, Ords rec has a recommendation. We have our analysts who who um, you know, have a buy recommendation on it. For me, it's not the sort of stock that, that I personally like to invest in, mm -hmm. um, both from a ethical point of view about gambling, but also from a, uh, a risk reward point of view, I'm much more conservative investor. Okay, well that does wrap up our show for today and a big thank you to our experts, Andrew Wyland from DP Wealth Advisory and David Lane from Ord Minute. It has been great to have you both on the call today. We appreciate it. And any stocks you'd like us to cover, please flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us at osbiztv. And a reminder where to find all the stocks we have in the course portfolio, you can head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Coming up next on the small caps, three underappreciated small businesses 
services. Stay tuned. You are watching Ausbiz. I'm Amber Sherlock. I'll see you next time. Thank you.